Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Morning church, hope you've had a good week. You know things are getting more and more confusing with the coronavirus and the pandemic and nations are getting nervy and twitchy. People are losing confidence. There's never been a better time to preach good news or share good news. We don't want to go, we don't want to go preaching in people's faces, but you know, to share good news because people are looking for answers because they're seeing that men, you know, our leaders, men and women that are great people, but even the greatest of us cannot solve this world's problems and issues. And you know, Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. The Apostle Paul said, it is nearer now than when you first believed. And so he's right at the door. He knocks at the door. He's ready to come. We've got to be ready for him. I want us to get us ready. And last week we looked at Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus gives us four signs of his coming so that we're not going to be shocked. We're not going to be like, oh, well, we didn't know this. We didn't know that. But there will be, for a multitude of people, they will be shocked. It will be, Jesus' second coming will be like a thief in the night. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, a woman will be grinding corn. Two women, sorry, will be grinding corn. One will be taken, the other one left. Two men will be ploughing a field. One will be taken, the other one will be left. And people will be scratching their heads because Jesus said, people will be living the time of his second coming will be like in the days of Noah and people were feeding and breeding that's what they were doing they were just getting on with life right in the midst Noah was building an ark and I think it took about a hundred years something like that the point of it taking so long was that it gave people the chance to hear how they could escape God's judgment that was coming upon their lives and they didn't listen. They mocked Noah, they laughed at him and they're going, what are you on about? There's going to come a flood. And Noah just kept going and so did his his wife and his sons and their wives and they kept trying to help people to see that things were going wrong in life and that there was a judgment coming. And he was a a man of God speaking God's word uh, to people in his generation. And the long-term sign in those days was the building of the ark. The short-term sign was the loading of the ark with the animals and with the provisions. That should have spoken to everybody and saying, it's imminent, but they didn't listen. And then when the rains did come and the waters burst up and broke up the earth's crust and everything, the Bible says that God closed the door on the ark and those who were in the ark were saved from the judgment that that came upon the earth. But uh, those who were outside the ark, they were lost, but they were warned. You know, Jesus is God's ark today. And if you're in Christ or a Christian, a Christ one, then you'll be saved from the judgment, not because you're a good person or because God likes you more than somebody else. It's just because You've placed your trust in what God has asked us to do. Place our trust in his son. 
when you believe in Jesus, and by believing, I mean you, you give your life to him, and now you're ruled by him and led by him and guided by him and his principles and his ways. When that's true of you, you're, you're in Christ. Your past has been forgiven. You're, you're being saved daily from sins and temptation. And one day when Christ comes back, you'll be saved from the presence of sin. Not just the penalty of sin and the practice of sin, but the presence of sin itself. And so, you know, we need to be aware there's going to be a great separation throughout the world. Jesus' second coming, he who's going to, he's going to lift all the believers, those who have died in Christ, he'll bring back with him. And those of us that are still alive will be raised afterwards and we will meet them in the air. We're going to be raised up into the sky over Jerusalem because Jesus is coming back to the city of the great king which is Jesus himself, the city that Jesus loved, the city that Jesus wept over because they rejected them. They rejected him and he wanted them to know that, you know, I have come to you. I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't. God so loved the world. And even in judgment, people think that God's changed his mind. He's forgotten that he's a God of love and now he's angry and wants to like pummel everybody for eternity, for their sins. And that's not it. God remains a God of love. God loves justice. And it's his love of justice that makes him bring judgment. It's his love of leadership and that, that makes him sort things out. And some things, you know, God can bring judgment and does bring judgment uh, in, in people's lives and in nations even while we're continuing in our lives now. But many, many things God has left to judgment day. That great and awesome day, great and awful day, where we all stand before Almighty God and we have to stand and give an account of our lives and we will be judged on what we've done. The greatest judgment will be, did you believe in his son? And if you didn't, then... Uh, you have to stand judgment for how you've lived your life, everybody. And you know, I'm glad in one sense that there is a day of judgment because no human court would be strong enough and have the breadth and the depth to deliver a judgment on people like Adolf Hitler or Stalin or any of the despots that have, that have ruled in this world uh, unfairly, unjustly and without mercy. And how many individuals in our communities have lived their lives treating people, young people, children, sometimes, you know, with absolute ruthlessness, no mercy. And what courts on earth can deal with them? Um, you know, there has to be a court, but there has to be a court for people that have never robbed a bank, committed murder, committed adultery, gone out of the way to hurt people. Because the Bible says for all have sinned, and fallen short of God's standard. And so what hope is there? What hope, what hope is there for anybody? Jesus Christ is the only hope. And Jesus said, if you believe in me, anyone who believes in me has passed from death to life. And when the Bible talks about death, in those terms, it means eternal death to eternal life. My question to you today is, are you in or are you out? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you passed from death to life? 
we were all born into sin, but we're, but we're born again into a, a new life with God. And, and that happens the moment you pray and ask Jesus to forgive you your sins and you make him the king of your life, the Lord of your life, and you follow him. So I want to have, have a look at the second coming of Jesus. I'm trying to cram so much in. Uh, the framework that I'm using is the framework that Jesus gave us in Matthew's Gospel. And then all the other scriptures from Thessalonians and Corinthians and Zechariah in the Old Testament and Isaiah and Revelation right at the end of the Bible. I'm pouring into that framework. I've written it up on the back here so that you can maybe take a screenshot and then you can have a look at it, you know, as the week goes on and try to memorize some of that stuff and, and get it lodged in your mind. But I want to give a, a reading as well from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and it says this there's a lot of confusion going on so Paul wrote to the Thessalonians confusion about the second coming and Paul wrote this brothers and that word means generally brothers and sisters brothers we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep that means people that die to the early church somebody that died a believer that died was just somebody that fell asleep and when they wake up, they'll be with Christ because death had lost its sting because Jesus took the sting of death and all its fear and everything when he died on the cross and rose again and he overcame death. So to the early believers, it was like, you know, falling asleep. So he said, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Chapter five, he says, Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should, uh, so that this day should, should, uh, should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Just a note there, you know, we are the party church. I want us to realise that we need to be alert. We need to be sharp and alert. So let that be in your thinking. You know, when lockdown and all that lot has finished, when when, you know, the 10 o'clock curfew is finished. 
just use that as a as a thought before you go out remember we need to be sharp and we need to be alert and the bible says self-controlled i'm talking i'm, I'm trying to mature us as, as a as a church i'm trying to to uh, impart things that will not become lost to you but that will become an inspiration for you to become a greater person and a greater believer more useful to the lord and to jesus in this life and more useful to the people that are in your world that you you work with and that you do life with and i'm not just thinking about your christian friends i'm talking about them that don't know christ because it's them that we want to help to come to faith. All right, so where will Jesus come? I've already said he's going to come back to Jerusalem. What will Jesus be like when he comes back? Well, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, Jesus ascended into heaven on a cloud. And the angel and all the disciples, this is after the resurrection, they're all looking up and watching Jesus ascend into heaven. This angels, this angel said to them, why, why are you stood here gazing up into the sky? This same Jesus, this same Jesus will return in like manner. And Jesus will come back on, on a cloud with his mighty angels. And there's going to be a difference uh, between his first coming and his second coming. But the point I want to make is it will be Jesus with a, his new body. He had a resurrection body. And when we're caught up, in the air when Jesus returns we will take one look at him and see him and then we'll take our next look at each other and see ourselves perfect we will be changed the bible says transformed in or regenerated in the twinkling of an eye and we will all get eternal bodies this sounds like science fiction but when you realize it's absolutely true and you read your gospel stories and read about Jesus's resurrection body. It was different from the body that he had before he went into the tomb. So these are maybe coming as new truths for you. So I want to take my time and help, help you to, to, to grasp these things. Yeah, but it's Jesus. And the Bible says we will be like him when he returns. And so we will have an eternal body, an, an, an indestructible body. And we will be perfect. Well, there's a miracle for you. Just, just nudge your husband and say, I can't believe this. <laughs> but you will, you'll have a perfect husband, perfect wife. Well, you won't actually, because there's, no uh, there's no marriage in heaven. You know, but, but uh, I'm just saying, just saying, perfect bodies. So Jesus will come back to Jerusalem. It will be the same Jesus, the resurrected Jesus that left the earth that will come back. He will be a man. You know, it's not like he's going to come back and he's going to be 25 foot tall. No, no, no. It's going to, he'll be the same as he left. And, uh, you know, not many Jews of, of that day were bigger than six foot. So be, let's just say six foot. But that's, that's how he will be when he comes back. I'm just trying to give you, I'm trying to earth it for you. He's not going to come back. He won't be an angel with wings or anything like that. And many angels, when they appeared in the Bible, did not appear with wings, by the way. They came as human beings. There are anthropomorphic visitations of the transcendental. Anyway, here we go. So when Jesus returns, he'll come back, there'll be a shout from heaven and it'll be different from his first coming. He'll not come as a baby. 
you know, weak and vulnerable. There'll be a loud shout, there'll be a trumpet blast, and he will come with, there'll be lightning from one end of the earth to the other, and he'll come with great power and honour and glory, and, um, and, and, and not with just a single star in the sky. No, no, no. There'll be lightning that lights up the world from the east to the west. He won't be there in weakness, but in power with all his mighty angels. Not in humility, but in glory. Not in meekness, but in majesty on a cloud. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. And we, as his followers, will meet him in the air. Those who are dead in Christ will rise first and those still living will rise second. There will be a great separation. And two women will be working, one will be taken, one will be left. Two men walking, one will be taken, one will be left. A man and his wife will be asleep in bed, one will be taken, one will be left. And there's a huge separation between those who have given their lives to Christ and become believers and those who reject it, who refuse it. And I want to warn some of you that uh, have given your life to Christ, but you're not obedient to God's word and you're not obedient to what the gospel says. Let me just sum up what the gospel says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. In other words, serve God. Do what he wants you to do. And then serve your neighbours. And I know too many believers who are still doing what they want to do, regardless of what God thinks about their life, regardless. And I want to say, you know, you, 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 it's, you, I'm going to show you a scripture later on, uh, where it talks about not just those who believe the gospel, but those who obey the gospel. And so, you know, there's got to be a shift in our thinking. And, you know, our allegiance is to Jesus Christ, first and foremost. And that allegiance shouldn't make you odd and stubborn at work and hard work to get on. You should be the lowest maintenance person at your place of work. You should be the easiest person to get on with. If you like Christ, if you start to put Jesus first in your life, and I've found in life that I've needed mentors, people that uh, uh, can can speak into my life and just say, you're a good good guy, Dave, but you know, there's one or two edges here that need, you, you know, smoothing off. Or there's, there's, there's one or two things about the way that you handle yourself or you speak to people or the way that you, you don't listen or, or, or whatever. And, and you, you know, those kind of people have helped me to become more like Christ. And you need people like that. And that's why there's dinner party leaders. And that's why there's, there's pastors, or what we call them, leaders in the church. You know, them leaders are not there by accident or by default. They're there by design. And they're there to strengthen you. They're not there to tuck you up in bed with a cocoa. They're there to shape your life. They're there to work out you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and to become more like Christ. So that's my little add-on to you today. And there's so many believers that I, I just know you, you're not walking with God, you're walking with Jesus every day. You gave your life to Christ 20 odd years ago. And that might even be a brag today. But when it comes to knowing him and knowing his will and his ways, you haven't got a clue. 
And I say that with sadness. I want you to have a clue. And I want you to desire the things that will make you stronger as a person, a stronger follower of Jesus. Because the stronger you are with Christ, the more you get, the more you get out of life. Honestly, the freer you become. The more you like Jesus, the freer you become. So let me continue. There'll be a great separation. And I want to say to people that are friends of, of Global, don't leave it too late to just send Jesus. If you're there, if all this is true, come into the life. And when you touch eternity with Jesus, you know it. You don't have to keep saying, well, I believe, I believe. You know it, something happens to you. His peace comes into your life. Cleanness comes in. Holiness comes in. And you, you, you struggle to find words to explain it. The early disciples, when they were writing their, their, their letters, they struggled to use words to describe how they lived and, and were around Jesus. And you read John chapter 1, John, his letter, he tries to describe being around Jesus, the word. And, you know, we have touched him. We, we have heard him. We have, we've, we've had fellowship with him. And he's, he's trying to like say, you know, it's incredible. And they're trying to articulate what it's like following Jesus. I'm, 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 I really enjoy people who just become Christians for the first time. That are fresh because the vision of God is massive. God can do anything. You know, it takes a really bad theologian to shrink their vision down to nothing and just to turn it up for church on Sunday. That's not Christianity. Christianity is like a dynamo in your life. Like there's an energy, even when your human energy can't be bothered, even when your body's got aches and pains, there's a dynamo that says, but I love life and life's for living and there's purpose in my life. Jesus Christ is coming back and I want people to know it, not to preach at them, but to live amongst them and share my life, share my faith, share the energy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Gosh, I could talk about this forever. So we're running out of time. So let me just go through. For some people, it's going to be a shock to the system. But to believers, it's not meant to be a shock. Jesus gave us four, four signs. And with each of those four signs, he gave, uh, he gave a, a danger and a deception that was going to happen and a duty. So I don't know whether you can see that. I'm just going to leave that there, maybe take a photograph and enlarge it later. Jesus' is second coming. When will Jesus come back? And Jesus gives four signs in Matthew chapter 24. Sign number one, disasters in the world. And that's in verses four to eight. The danger that Jesus told us to watch out for here was there will be famines, wars and earthquakes. And all of them are meant to be in the plural. Famines, wars and earthquakes. You know, famines... Earthquakes are natural things, wars are man-made, and famines come from a bit of both, men and men and natural things. But those are the signs. Question, are there famines? Are there wars? Are there earthquakes? Yes, they are, and they're increasing. And, and Jesus said, this isn't a death rattle. This is like a woman whose pains, a pregnant woman whose pains start to come. They come on all of a sudden. And she knows the baby's about to be born. It's about to happen. And Jesus said, when you see these things, it's about to happen. 
going to give birth to a, a, a new life with Christ. So the dangers are there. The deception is false messiahs and false Christ, false leaders giving hope, saying, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. But suddenly trouble happens. And Jesus said, our duty here is don't be alarmed. Don't panic. Can you hear everybody panicking at the moment about COVID? Everybody's panicking. Everybody's like, oh, I don't know. And it's fear-based. Everything we hear is fear-based. I want to speak faith in and say COVID will not end the human race. It won't. God has given us a a system inside of ourselves that, that heals us, that overcomes. The human race will not be taken out by COVID or any other disease. Yes, individuals will be, and that's sad. But what I'm saying is, we don't have to live under fear. But I want you to notice that there's panic all around the world. I want us to, to you know, use this. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed today about COVID. And I know, you know, it's not famine and earthquakes and wars, but it's still something, a pandemic that's hitting the whole world. Don't be alarmed, but wait in anticipation. Wait expecting things are going to, are going to continue but we're getting closer to the second coming. Sign number two, there'll be deserters in the church. And it's at this point that the danger here is there'll be an opposition to people of faith like you and me. There'll be an opposition. And the good thing about that is, is that there'll be a reduction in, in people who profess to have faith, but really don't. The hearts of many will grow cold, Jesus said. But, the expansion of the church will happen. Why? Because when people become aggressively op- opposing you, they're no longer sat on a fence going, well, if you want to believe, that's fine. If you don't want to believe. The Apostle Paul wasn't like that. He was known as Saul of Tarsus before he became a Christian. And he murdered Christians because he thought they were blaspheming, calling a man, God, this Jesus. And one day God he got letters and permissions to go and arrest believers so he, he, and all the believers in those days were Jewish and they were converts from Judaism from the Jewish faith to this new what they called it a cult and uh, to this new thing and they didn't know what it was but they knew that, that Jesus was the leader and uh, they were like who is this Jesus and that he died on a cross and rose again they went that is absolutely silly and as Paul was going on to the road of, uh, on the road to Damascus, ready to, to arrest believers and murder them, Jesus, the risen Christ, appeared to him. He fell off his donkey and, and he was blinded for three days. Saul said to him, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. You see, if you touch somebody in the church, you touch him. He's not passive. But you see, the great thing with Paul is he wasn't passive. He wasn't like, yeah, if the Christians want to, you know, want to do their thing, that's fine. I don't believe that. He would say, no, they are wrong. And he was so angry. And his teacher, Saul's teacher was called Gamaliel. And he was once asked about the growth of Christianity and saying, you know, what do you think about it all? And he says, well, if it's from God. You can't stop it. If it's not from God, it'll just die out. He was passive, sort of cool academic. The Apostle Paul was an academic, but he was on fire and zealous for truth. (laughs) And he was a religious bigot. But you know what? 
he met Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ changed him and he wrote over half of the New Testament. And so what I'm saying in this time is opposition. People will not be like laissez-faire, easy, well, they'll be more, no, this is wrong, Christianity is wrong. And when they, they attack us and murder some of us, you know, what happens is something goes on in their heart and God transforms them. And many, many, many people will become Christians because they've not been passive or passive-aggressive. They've just been aggressive, but they've bumped into the real Jesus and real believers. And there'll be a huge expansion of the church. The deception here is that there'll be false prophets, men claiming to bring God's word. And, and we're saying, peace, peace, chill out, chill out. But they're wrong because we, it's not that we're, we're all intense. But, you know, we live in anticipation, not in chill. And so our duty is to stand firm to the end, no matter how much people oppose us. And for some, it will cost you your life. And for, for a quarter of a million every year, at least, almost, sometimes around 300,000 people are murdered every year because of the faith in Jesus Christ. And it could cost you your life. And so we have to count the cost. Now, here we go. The next sign is a dictator in the Middle East, verses 15 to 28. And uh, the dangers here will be worldwide persecution. It won't just be localised, it'll be all over the world. Um, you can run, but you can't hide. That'll be us. And the deception is there'll be false prophets and false messiahs. Why? Because people will be looking for hope and will go all over the show to find hope. But there'll be a dictator... And he will have one political system to run the world. And he'll have one worldwide religion. And whatever he doesn't like will be crushed. And so it's a bit like how the, how the Romans were. But, uh, and how, how uh, Adolf Hitler was. But that's what will happen. And here the bit, uh, some of these Messiah, false messiahs and prophets will be using supernatural displays of occult power. And occult power looks just like God's power, but it's a counterfeit. And I have time to go into to tell you about Moses when he threw his staff on the ground and it and uh, and it became a snake. And then all the magicians of Egypt threw their staffs on the ground and theirs became snakes. And Moses must have been scratching his head thinking, oh, you spoiled it because my God's real and yours is false. Yours is occult power, mine is the true power. And then he watched... And, and saw his snake eating up all the other snakes. You think God's got a plan all the time. Just amazing. But, but occult power looks like God's power. But you know what? It's different. And that's why we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. There's a difference to our, the spirit that we operate in. So we've looked at the dangers and the deception. The duty is don't listen to false reports. Watch and pray. Don't pray with your eyes closed. Watch and pray. And the fourth sign, I am running out of time here, but it's sign number four is there'll be darkness in the sky, verses 29 to 31. And that's not unusual. It's, Jesus said that the sun will go out, the moon will go out, and the stars will stop shining. And he said, then the end will come. He said that. And that's not unusual. You know, there was a star in the east that led the wise men to Jesus. So supernatural things in the sky were happening then. 
When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the sun refused to shine for three days, uh, for three hours. And so it's not unusual, this phenomenon. And when Jesus is about to come back, all the lights go out. And then it'll be like lightning from east to west. And Jesus will return. So what are the dangers Jesus, war Jesus warned us about here? No. What is the deception? No. What is the duty? What must we do? Buckle up. Why? Because we're about to go up. So it's for believers. It's awesome. And uh, I want you to notice something here. This is more of a theological thing, but I just you'll meet this the more you study the second coming or whatever, is that people say God will take us out of the uh, the hassle because he saved he saved uh, Noah, you know, from it all. He didn't save Noah from it all. He took Noah through it, but he just made sure Noah was safe in the ark. Now, I want you to notice something here. Jesus hasn't come yet. In all them four signs, Jesus hasn't come yet. And believers haven't gone yet. And so we're going to go through some stuff. And when people say, don't worry, God, we'll get raptured. That's the word used in the Bible. We'll get taken up, raptured, uh, before all this trouble. And uh, I'm persuaded, especially by Matthew 24, that we won't. And if we do, bonus. But if we don't, let's get ready. And uh, Jesus even said to people in Judea, when you see these things, run. I think it was in this one. And for mothering women with their pregnant women and stuff, he said, it's going to be hard for you because you're going to try and escape the dictator in the Middle East. So, uh, you know, if people persecute you and, you know, they're after taking your life and stuff, we don't stand there and take it. We run. We don't take arms and shoot them. No, 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 no. We run. And we lift a fight another day. Um, so I'm just... Just saying, uh, I've probably used an unfortunate word there, fight, but you know what I'm saying? We'll live another day. Our times are in his hands. So we've got to keep close. Got to keep close to God. Got to keep close to each other as believers. And we've got to get hold of as many people as possible and help them to believe. Yeah, that's my burden. That's my heart. That's the very heartbeat of, of global. We're going to continue this, you know, next week and for the next few weeks. Bear with me for some of you new believers that it can seem a little bit overwhelming and overpowering. But you know what? Jesus just said it. You know, he just said it to his disciples and, you know, a lot of the stuff they had to just get. I want us to be as rugged as that. Not like, well, I don't suppose I understand it. Don't be a lily-livered, weak, I don't know, limp-wristed believer. You've got, we've got to wake up and we've got to face things and we've got to get, get our heads around it get to grips with it from the team here at global church thank you for listening to this podcast please check out our other messages available on the website 